I'm Eric Benson, your host for Climify. I'm here today to introduce you to a new podcast called Deep Dive. It's the idea of two amazing designers, Grace Tursich and Rachel Cifarelli. They are both recent graphic design graduates who are deeply committed to being climate designers themselves. They came to me towards the end of the first season of Climify with an idea. They love the podcast. However, they could see gaps and opportunities for them to help fill and explore explaining topics and definitions that appear on the show in a deeper way to help the design student better understand the ins and outs on how they could be a better climate designer as well. I thought it was an amazing idea. I've seen this done before on other podcasts and felt they have a point. Some of the stuff my guests and I discuss on the show are nuanced and jargon. So I'm happy to introduce you today to Deep Dive. It's a Climify miniseries that explores opportunities for climate education through the eyes of recent design students. The classroom needs to see more intersectionality between design and climate. And Deep Dive is here to advocate for that. Hello, all. Welcome to Deep Dive, a Climify podcast. I'm Grace. And I'm Rachel. And today we're going to be talking about design thinking. This is episode three. And in this episode, we'll be talking about design thinking, design systems, system thinking, everything that goes along with that, the definition, and how that relates to us as recently graduated students. Mm -hmm. I think a good place to start might be like, how do we define design thinking? And also how do we, like, how does that relate to design systems and everything that I feel like I never really, we never really touched on in, in college. Like, what did you find in your research for that? So I actually got design thinking in college. So maybe you're the better person to start it off. I feel like I learned a little bit about it in, I learned about it when I was abroad, funny enough. I actually took a whole class on design thinking in Copenhagen, but I didn't really get it at Elon. So design thinking is the process of like centering your user in every decision that you make along the, the design journey. So it's, I think it's like technically like a five-step process. Um, and it's what it's like ideating, or it's like researching, ideating, prototyping, testing, and then implementation. Um, but between that is a lot of like, oh, you're testing it and you get a user's feedback. And if it's not great, or if they're not, they have suggestions, you go back to prototyping and typing and you kind of go back and forth between those two steps. Um, but I, I feel like while I learned that in school, um, or at least while I learned it in Copenhagen, I always kind of found it tough to apply that to real life. Like even just, you, you had sent a really good video about design thinking and sustainability. And I was like, okay, yeah, like you talk to people and you learn about their needs, but like, how do you find the people to talk to? Like, who do you, who do you talk to? What kind of questions do you have to ask them? And I think that it's always good to get more, like, yes, you can touch on this like once in a class or you could touch on it in an entire class, but it's always good to relearn and re-expose yourself, I think, to those, to those practices. Mm -hmm. So in my college experience, we, um, again, Eric Benson was uh, my professor and he was the advisor for the graphic design students. So he really implemented design thinking and system thinking into our curriculum. And we had a design ethics class, which unfortunately I could not take because that's when I was studying abroad in Italy. 
And I took a similar class in Italy. Um, it wasn't called design ethics, but it was something similar to design ethics. And we also had a design methods class, which was amazing. It was honestly like my favorite class I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was the part of design thinking that is like prototyping and sketching and then also testing. Mm-hmm. And one of my projects was helping the Craner Art Museum get more attention, get more people flowing in and out, get it more recognition. And so we went through all the design methods and all the steps of design thinking. And it was so cool. And something that I feel like is similar that you just said that I really relate to is I learned all about this in college and it was amazing. But now I've entered the workforce at an agency and that is nowhere to be seen. (laughs) And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not their fault like it's no one's fault but it's just working in the workplace it's so like fast-paced and quick and there's no time for design thinking so Mm -hmm. I think my main takeaway from researching design thinking and system thinking is as we can teach it but how do we teach students to implement that into their career because that's really where it's going to matter Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you bring up that, you know, working in an agency is such a fast paced environment. And even though like I'm a freelancer, so I work on my own time, but I really don't because I'm also working on my client's time and time is money. That's just like the the saying, but it's so true. And it feels like there's never enough time for research or it feels like there's never, or feels like I'm always trying to like rush the research, even though I know that that's the most important part because you can't research or you can't design something for someone you don't know about. And that goes back to design thinking where you're designing with the user at the forefront of your mind. You're always connected to the user and you're always connected to their needs and their wants. Um, because if not, then like your design's gonna gonna fall on deaf ears. Um, it's not gonna directly impact or relate to a specific person. Mm-hmm. And while you were talking, I was kind of thinking like, we have a strategy team and they do, they do research and they do testing for us. So that is part of like the, the design systems that I am not a part of and that it's done beforehand. But I mean, it's kind of back to what we talked about in an earlier episode about cross-pollination and not being siloed. Like there there's strategy that is siloed and then there is design and design is kind of like slapped on to the end of all the strategy when it would just it would probably be more productive and more cohesive if they all work together more collaboratively like Mm -hmm. the non-being siloed I wish I could bring more of that design thinking that I learned into my day-to-day life and it's just right now it's just not possible Yeah. And like, I don't know, it feels like there should be some kind of like quicker, faster solution to design thinking or just an agency way for design thinking. And I don't know if that kind of then just like takes away what is great about design thinking, because like what's great about it is that back and forth between you and the user and that feedback that you get. And I know that that kind of feedback is so hard to get in a fast paced environment, but you know, can't there be some kind of middle ground? And like, if there is, can we start teaching that to students when they're students so that 
when they get into the workforce, they're able to actually implement that and actually apply that research that they now know how to do to their job. Mm-hmm. When I learned about this in Copenhagen, we spent the entire semester working on one project. It was like week two, we chose our issue and the entire semester we were coming up with a solution for it. And an entire semester, that's like what, 15 weeks? Like you're not going to have a design project that's lasting 15 weeks at an agency. You're I know. Not. Like <laughs> that's not, that's not how it goes. And so where does design thinking fit into the agency lifestyle? And how can we like bringing this back to education? Like how can we, how can we help condense that even more into like a class project? Like how can we encourage students to be researching and to be um, designing for a specific group of people in mind, keeping in mind their needs and their wants and their worries. Mm -hmm. And I think design thinking can look differently for an app that you're developing versus an architectural landscape versus like urban design versus the graphic, like a social post. Like there's so many different mediums of design and so many ways to, um, I think, apply design thinking to those as well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, of course, we're, we're uh, climate designers. So now we're going to be adding on that whole new layer of going back to design thinking and think and at the very beginning, you're looking at the stakeholders and it's not just about the people, but now it's about the people and the planet. So now we have these students going into the workplace and they're just trying to use their design thinking skills. And then we're we're asking to add on another layer of, okay, but make it sustainable from the very beginning. And that's, (laughs) it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, no, it can absolutely be overwhelming. And I think also, especially when like, when you're still a student, you want to, or at least I felt this when I was a student, like I wanted to kind of get it right on the first try. Like I wanted to do really good at it the very first time, the very first time. And like, yeah, I know that's unsustainable. I know that that's not going to happen because I'm a student and I was learning, but I think there's definitely that mindset of wanting to get it right. And because of that, it, it feels very overwhelming and it feels like you have to achieve every single like you have to check every every box at the very first go. Um, and I think that's where educators can come in and ease their concerns and ease their worries and like explain to them that they're not always gonna get it on the first try. They're not gonna get it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about how design thinking is a problem solving system and how the planet is a stakeholder because I think that's a really important part especially in climate design um I just kind of want to talk a little bit more about that when you were in your class in Copenhagen was was the planet a stakeholder was that from the very beginning something that you needed to consider no it it really wasn't like it wasn't even um like the the our professor didn't tell us to to think about the planet, our goal was just to appease the user. The user was the only stakeholder. Um, and I think that's that was at a huge detriment to us because the user is never the only stakeholder. Like as climate designers, especially, we have to take into account our planet and we have to take into account the earth and the resources that we're using. Um, 
And I think something that really struck with me and basically the whole reason for this episode um, that we're talking about design thinking and design systems, this was from um, the episode, We Need to Break the Wheel. Um, Mm -hmm. And something, basically that entire episode, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. But it's about these two women who are working to, basically they've, they've come up with this system, they've designed this system where solar is free because of a tax law from the Trump era, one good thing that came from the Trump era. And it makes so that if they apply solar panels to the roof of a school and people from the school put in money, it basically, they will get that money back in X amount of years. Um, Investors will get their money back. Um, It makes the building much more energy efficient. It's completely sustainable and it makes the energy cheaper over time. And it's basically like a win-win-win for everybody. And Eric had said, you know, he's like, you're designing a system and a service and everything in between, and you're addressing a need. And that for me, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's so true. And when I hear when I hear design system, that's what I think about. I think about mm. designing these macro systems that, you know contain incentives for people to actually do good. Like we're not just crossing our fingers, hoping that people will do good. No, there are incentives built into the system that will incentivize people to actually do the right thing. And something that I love about the whole project, Break the Wheel, the Break the Wheel episode, is that the responsibility is on the government and the corporation instead of the consumer. Yeah. Because I feel like, especially with um, solar power, a lot of it is like put solar power in your home and I'm like okay but what about the big corporations that have the money to do it and yeah. um the government that can make these incentives and you're talking like that's what they did it's so cool to see that implemented yes exactly they have designed the system where the the government and the the big corporations are the ones that are making the change um it's free for the individuals that do have to put the money in because they'll get the money back it makes the energy cheaper for the school in the long term. Um, and something else that they had talked about was at the end of the episode, Ruth and Alden had been talking about this low income solar co-op. And basically what they were saying was, imagine a huge apartment complex where the entire, every inch of the roof is a solar farm and the residents are receiving low energy costs because it's coming from the solar. There's a surplus in the energy grid that the energy company now owns and can put out to other people. And there are incentives in that. Um, so it's like, how do, we, how do we design these incentives so that the energy company will continue to do this through policy, through tax credits, through whatever. And how do we create the structural policy so that landlords will agree to do such a program? And that's all, that's not, none of that is my idea. That was all from the episode, but I just like, I heard that and I was like, that's so cool. That is what it means to design a system where people Mm -hmm. are kind of like forced to do something, but not really because it's beneficial to them (laughs) and the planet. I just was blown away by that. Like this, this also just ties into, I think design systems also ties into like circular design and the circular economy and like how do we then design a system that is circular? Um, mm-hmm. It's not just 
it's not just all right benefiting the planet and the people and all the stakeholders it's a win-win but then like how do we do it again how do we do it over again how do we continuously make this beneficial for as long as the system lives like it's just so good so good that is the perfect example of i found on the the united nations system i found an article called the power of innovation and design thinking in implementing the 2030 agenda for sustainable development and they have this definition of design thinking and it said design thinking is a human-centered systematic method to problem solving and that's exactly what you just explained it is a human-centered method that solved the problem but that also took into account the earth and the planet and the people and it's Oh, that is such a, it's such a good example. And I wish there, I I am excited to see more examples of that in the future as design thinking is implemented more. It's just really inspiring to see that project. Yeah. And so you hear that and you're like, damn, where else can we apply that to other places in our lives? And then it's like, why can't we, why can't we propose these questions to our students? Why can't we, like, one of the quotes was, we need to break the wheel of how we've planned every aspect of modern life and challenge our kids to, to design something entirely new from the ground up, unquote. And like, exactly right. Like, why can't we propose this to our students and say, this is the problem that we're dealing with. These are the things that you can work with. This is what a tax break is. This is what a policy decision is. Like the basic bare bones of it and say, how can you solve this problem so that everyone acts in a certain way that still benefits everyone and also our planet. And I think if we pose that on students, students would be able to think up so many more solutions because they haven't been constricted by living in the actual like grind of the day-to-day nine to five Mm -hmm. corporate world. And I think they'd be able to like imagine a better world and better solutions. Mm -hmm. Like let's get our students involved. Let's, let's get them in and like, let's, Let's show them these issues now so that they can take it and completely rebuild it and be ready to do that when they get to the workforce. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, because I feel like in climate designers, there's like curriculums and it shows that you can have design thinking classes and thinking systems classes, but there's a gap between the classroom and the workforce. So how can educators help bridge that gap? I think that the, one of the best things that educators can do, could do for their students is try and make it like a real life example, um, like pull in a local nonprofit or a local business and say, this is their business model right now. How can we use design thinking and research their audience and also take into account stakeholders, including the environment and and design a system for them where everyone is winning and they're still making a profit as a business. Yeah, that's actually a great suggestion is to use like real people in your community, in the community of the school. One project um, I was assigned to redesign the website of a local nonprofit organization. Um, And that was really helpful because I knew the area. I didn't know of the organization until I was actually looking for it, but I was able to kind of take myself out of a school setting and put it into, um, it was for domestic violence and put myself in the setting of, okay, what do the people in the community need? Not just like 
what do my peers think? Or what do my educators think? What do my professors think? It's more of, it was, it got me out of that school setting. Mm -hmm. And then also think about the, the social good that you can then do in your community and in your school's community. Like maybe you choose a different business every semester and at the end of the semester, maybe you propose your business ideas to them and see what they think. And if they don't like it, well, okay, but you spent an entire semester researching this and, and figuring this out. Um, and I think like that could be really, really cool to have in a portfolio. Yeah. Like that, like, and like also like not only have it in your portfolio, but also just like to be, to get your gears turning and to be thinking yeah. like that. And to like have that experience of thinking like that. I think it could be done. I think if an educator chooses a local business and your questions at the beginning are who's their audience? What is their business model? What are they selling? How are they unsustainable? And what are ways to make them more sustainable that will still profit them and that will still profit the, the audience? And I think that that can be a loaded question. So maybe like break it down a little bit more into maybe just not like, how are they sustainable, but maybe like what parts of their business is renewable or like, where are they getting their energy from? Or where are they, um, like, is it in a very warm climate? Like, what is their air conditioning situation? Like, I don't know, just something, something like that, like that maybe you can make small changes that will have bigger effects on the business in the future. Mm-hmm. And that way students can kind of recognize what to look for in the future or what to point out in the future when, um, when they're working on something in the real world. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that would be something that could transfer really well into the real world because you've already had this experience of thinking about a business and, and thinking about business in a real world setting. Mm -hmm. And going back to the silo episode, it's breaking down the silos within education and opening it up to the community, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. great. <laughs> yeah, and maybe you're also getting a little, like, a little business in there, too, like, learning a little bit about how business owners think and work and act, because, like, you're going to have to be, if you're a designer, you're going to be working with business owners, um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for learning and for growth that's just outside of design as well. You learn about research, you learn, which I feel like I never really, like, research is always just that thing that we kind of glossed over in in college like I remember there was one project it was like a product redesign there was one product where my professor was like all right sit down this entire class you're going to just research about who the product is for what's the audience like what are their needs what are their wants but like other than that class we never really did audience research and now I feel like every time I go into to research for a client or for a project I'm kind of lost and I'm like I don't know where to start I don't know like I feel like I was never really taught this. Um, so, and then like, how do you use that research when you're designing, I think is another thing, but that's a whole nother can of worms, but it just made me stop and think about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. But this has been an awesome conversation and like, I'm glad that we talked about this because I feel like the, the idea of design systems can be so daunting and so because mm -hmm. there's also like when I was looking up what is a design system I think we, we've talked very like 
big level macro about this, but if you look up design system, a design system can be just in product design, like UI UX, like it's just a collection of components that like work in tandem and provide benefits to one another um, and like complement each other. Um, so like design system in that sense is just like creating components of like a bigger product. But I think we need to start looking at design systems in terms of design thinking and in terms of these bigger macro level, like designing systems, like. Mm -hmm. And it's challenging. It's challenging to acknowledge that there are all these steps you have to take to get mm. to a solution when it's easier to just ignore it and not think of like all these um, aspects that need to be in, like involved and included. But I mean, that's what, that's part of being a designer. You need to look at all, all the little pieces of the puzzle to put the puzzle together. Yeah, 100%. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm so glad that we got to talk about this today. Thank you all for listening. I'm Rachel. And I'm Grace. And thank you for listening to Deep Dive. See you next time. Thank you. Bye.